everyone and welcome back to Chit Chat with Cass. Today we're going to be doing a movie review of Jaws 2, the sequel to the very popular Jaws series. This movie came out in 1978. Uh, this one has always been a favorite of mine because as a kid, as I was watching it, this movie is very much focused on the kids and teens of Amity Island, so it's always been a favorite of mine. So this, of course, is a movie review. We will be going through the whole of the film. So here is your friendly spoiler warning. So let's start this movie with some lovely underwater shots yet again to give that creepy-ass feel to the Jaws series or really any underwater film. This time we don't just get underwater shots, but we are actually introduced to some scuba divers. Immediately we start hinting at the first film. We can see the rope lines at the bottom of the ocean floor. As the divers swim further, we can see a sunken ship. Dun dun dun. Which you'll recognize if you're a fan of the Jaws series, this is the sunken orca. That takes us right back to the end of the first film when the orca sank. Side note, I hate sunken ships or sunken things. <laughs> so as they swim inside of this, it makes me very uncomfortable. We of course get the shot of the plaque on the side of the ship as well, which confirms that it's Quinn's ship. This is the orca in case people didn't get that. They continue to explore, but our precious divers, as they take photos underwater in front of the boat and around to explore, cannot hear the classic John Williams music. And just like that, little sharky figure appears, and the camera drops, taking photos along the way. The divers never stood a chance. But they do leave behind their boat up on top of the water with their diving flag still posted, and of course, that precious camera that took some awesome photographs. We then head over to Chief Brody, who is back for this sequel, traveling across the water on the ferry, headed to an event, um, looks like Holiday Inn, Amity Shore's grand opening ball, Amity Scholarship Fund benefit. So glad they put that on a sign because I couldn't remember what that was exactly for. He meets up with his wife, Ellen, who has helped organize said event. He's running a little bit late, so you know, just act like you've been here the whole time. How do I do that? Just look bored. And oh yay, my favorite person is back. The Jaws Mayor has returned for the sequel as well. Who the hell re-elected this guy? Honestly, probably people that didn't know the full story. Miss Amity, uh, Tina is her name, is cutting ribbons for the hotel's opening. Yes, it's all very fancy. Uh, she's the only one in a bathing suit because, I don't know, it's an island. They're by a pool. Teen pageants are very weird like that. No idea. In some of these opening bits, we're slowly introducing some of the teen characters in this because they are, in fact, a huge part of this storyline, so they're kind of going around and introing some of these particular characters. For instance, Mayor Vaughn introduces his son, Larry Jr. Yes, he breeded, folks. You also get to meet a character named Joseph, who is a lovely douchebag character that pretty much makes it obvious he wants to sleep with Chief Brody's wife the entire film. Michael Brody, the older of the two Brody boys, is of course in this. He is older now. He is a teenager with his friends. His buddy Andy and friend Brooke are introduced at this gathering as well. There's also a kid that sadly I think looks like Napoleon Dynamite, but he's a great character. His name is Timmy, and he is with his buddy Doug, who actually starred in the movie Christine, if you recognize that actor. I'm trying to intro all of these characters, as I said, because they'll all be together for a lot of this movie. <laughs> so we got to kind of tell them apart, if you will. We also have a Tina's boyfriend who is Ed and or Eddie. And while the party rages on, we go back to the sea where it hints at more movement under the water, shadowy figures on the surface, which is so creepy and well done in these type of films. 
and you can see Amity in the background minding its own business, but shark number two is home. Welcome to Amity. The next morning, Brody and Hendricks, one of the deputies for now, <laughs> get word from some fishermen about a large boat, no lights on, only the diver's flag. Hendricks is going to go ahead and check it out because the chief can't really drive the boat anyway, even though he lives on an island. Then to the kids working on their boats before heading out to sail. Michael Brody refusing to take his younger brother Sean with him, and Tina offers to take Sean with her, but Michael, like, shoots it down. He doesn't want his little brother tagging along. So she offers to just, you know, let Sean help on her boat before they head out. Because boo to big brothers. Eddie and Tina help Sean onto their boat, just all the while introducing some of these teen characters little bit by little bit. Before they head out, one of Michael's friends, Brooke, wants Michael to meet her cousin, who, in turn, is one of the most annoying characters known to mankind, in my opinion. Her name is Jackie. She's meant to be the hot girl. Kill me later. I hate her. <laughs> All of the guys are like, ooh, look, who is this new person? Who is she? Like, Michael and Andy are staring at her. Doug and Timmy. Well, kind of. They're kind of, like, doing their own thing because Timmy kind of has a thing for Brooke, so he's kind of staring at her. Larry Jr. and his friend Bob, who I like to call Ireland for future reasons, but, you know, as I'm saying, everyone is interested in the new girl, Lord Gagby. So all the kids go out sailing, the cool thing to do with teens on Amity, with happy music and fun times, yay sailing, yay ocean, yay not knowing what exactly is chilling underneath the water. They're actually doing, like, water balloon fights, which actually kind, kind of sounds, like, really fun. If you were to go out sailing, just, like, throw and chuck water balloons at your friends from different sailboats, that actually kind of sounds enjoyable. Back on land, Chief Brody is handling silly Amity news once more of oh, the joys of small town. There's like some dad complaining that a girl is dancing around in a towel in front of his son's window. Like, really? The things we report to the police? <laughs> in other news, Hendrix is back from the abandoned boat and or cruiser as they call it because it's pretty fancy. Dun dun dun. And they have found the camera that the divers had. A great anxiety clincher in this film is a little bit with a paraglider which always looked like super fun to me. Like you fly up above the ocean and then you like crash back down. Nah, uh, this movie kind of ruined that for me. <laughs> While nothing really happens, it's a perfect like get your heart beating super fast type of scene. It's creepy. It gives the illusion of what is beneath the surface again. You get the camera looking up towards the view of the top of the water. So you know something is watching this paraglider as he goes up into the air and crashes back down into the ocean. You almost had the fear of the unknown that this guy has no idea that there is a shark underneath the water looking at him and he could be eaten any second. You know, the music starts up and it gets super anxious and as the shark gets closer and closer and closer to the guy's legs and just in time he pulls the rope and flies back up into the air. Moments like that in thrillers such as this I think are much better than super gory or in-your-face horror because this just pumps in the anxiety, as I said, without being too obnoxious cut to a jet skier. These two women out on the water. Tina and her boyfriend are on the beach making out and an old woman is like in beachfront property and they're enjoying the view and seeing, you know, the boat going by and the jet skier and, you know, everyone having a grand old time. Funny fact, I always assumed that the driver of this boat was like her mom driving the boat for the jet skier. I don't know why I always assume that because I really don't think that that's the case. <laughs> I think they're like the same age. Weird. Another interesting fact, the water skier is actually played by champion water skier Christine Freeman. In these scenes, we get a great shot of the boat and the skier going across the water and basically across the screen as you're watching the movie. 
And as they go by, the shark fin pops up heading in the same direction. It goes up and then it goes down and then you go up again. And when you see the skier closer, you see that the fin is right behind her. So you know that the shark is chasing them at this point and they have no idea, which I actually don't think is like how you're supposed to go water skiing. Isn't there supposed to be like a spotter or something like that? What's that called? Someone should be driving the boat and someone should be looking back at whoever is water skiing or tubing or whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter. They didn't do this and they probably could have saved their life by seeing the shark fin up behind them. And just like that, the skier Terry goes down and good night in shark meal. The girl on the boat turns around and only finds a chewed up paddle, no Terry in sight. Insert a bit of a scare here, the shark actually hits the other side of the boat, crashing into it and nearly dumping the girl out over into the water on the other side. The shark is pretty much coming through the side of this wood boat and for some unknown reason, this character, <laughs> this woman, instead of just hitting the gas and trying to drive into the shore, no, she grabs a bucket, <laughs> gasoline out and and she pours it out not on the shark but all over herself and then she grabs a flare gun in turn catching herself on fire and the shark a little bit but really she set herself on fire massively now i've never been attacked by a killer shark before but i feel like my first instinct would be to power to the shore as fast as i could they weren't that far out not to try to light the shark on fire when you're in the middle of the ocean no matter uh she catches herself on fire the boat actually blows up you can see the shark has burns as it kind of goes back into the water before it blows i assume you know making the appearance of this shark different from the first film the people on shore, of course, hear and see the explosion, and so starts the full Amity drama. Little old lady just sitting on her porch, watching the waves, and bam, it's a Michael Bay movie. Hendricks is out on the police boat, looking through some of the burnt parts of the boat, but can't find any of the bodies. The witnesses obviously saw two people, but no bodies have been found so far. Uh, so Brody wants them to basically drag the bottom of the ocean. I don't know what could have done that and insert Chief Brody's ocean anxiety and question about what exactly is going on. I mean, let's be real, he probably has a little bit of PTSD from the last movie. They go ahead and they are dragging the area with the police boat, um, and it gives a little bit of anxiety as they hook onto something. What is it going to be? What exactly are they pulling up? Is it a body? Is it a shark? You kind of don't know what it is as you continue to watch, but instead it is nothing scary. It is just a massive power cable line connected to the island. 10 out of 10, do not recommend dragging those up. The Brody family is having a lovely breakfast. Michael's going sailing, and Chief Brody wants Michael to actually get a job for the summer instead. All the while reminding him that if he does go out sailing with his friends, to please not go out too far because they have some mysterious things happening in the waters again. The kids are out at the Lighthouse Island. I will say that would be really cool if you lived by a place where you could go sailing and there was like a lighthouse on an island, so you sail out to the lighthouse. That would be so cool. Tina and Eddie are at it again, these two. <laughs> Running around the island, they actually stumble upon a whale with a huge chunk out of it. I will say that this part of the film doesn't really hold up for me effect-wise. It looks a little dated. I always thought that this whale kind of looked like it was made out of wood when I first saw this movie, but you know, this movie was made over 40 years ago, so I'm not going to be too critical, but out of a lot of the effects, I'm not sure that this particular like killer whale segment holds up. 
So Brody actually calls in an expert because of the bite marks on this will. The expert pulls out measuring tape so they can take the measurements of it, and Brody suggests the bite ratio for, you know, the shark's mouth. But she kind of immediately dismisses the shark idea because, you know, we don't know that, do we? Meanwhile, you know, his PTSD from shark anxiety, Brody claims he's had some experiences with great whites. <laughs> you think? And she's all like, what makes you think there's one in these waters? Well, clearly this expert has not seen the first film. It would have to be a shark of considerable size. We also get little hints to potential future scenes in this movie, you know, talking about how sharks are attracted to blood, and the expert mentions sound as well, like sonar, so keep that in mind. Michael has to go back with his dad on the police boat, and his buddy Andy will take his sailboat back to the main island. You know, I always thought that this was funny. Chief Brody's like, no, you're riding back with me. Screw those other kids. They can go on their sailboats, but you're coming with me. <laughs> so the expert determines that it could have been a great white or another killer whale. Then you kind of get the exchange of, you don't think if another shark was destroyed, another one would come. And she's like, sharks don't think things personally. Getting right into business, Brody goes to the mayor and is trying to tell him that they have a potential shark problem again. And guess what? He doesn't believe him. It is all boating accidents. There's no fin, no shark, just boating accidents. Yep, still an asshole mayor. So the chief heads out to the beach where the boating accident was and sees something drifting near the shore. And of course, he goes to investigate. Uh, here we have like a shitty jump scare from my childhood. I say shitty because it got me every time. This beach like drops off so quickly into the water, that's creepy in itself. And then you have this piece of wood and when suddenly it's like flipped up, it reveals the dead burnt body of the lady that had been driving the boat. Like, uh, no thank you. The damn body like falls over him and everything. It's just like a oh hell no type of moment. It doesn't get me these days, but damn did it get me once upon a time. So the chief pretty much means business at this point. He's adding sodium cyanide to some bullets. If you happen to like ASMR, this scene has some really great unintentional ASMR. Brody does get a call from an operator, someone he is trying to contact, basically. Um, by the time he gets home, it's been transferred over to the house phone from Matt Hooper. From the first movie! I love Matt Hooper. He is on the research vessel, the Aurora, but he was not going to be in radio range until next spring. Basically, Brody was looking for reinforcements, since the damn town never believes him. A couple things here and there. Brody got Michael a job at the beach. He can't go sailing with his friends. And then we kind of cut to happy beach time. Everyone is enjoying their sandy beach time in shark waters. Chief Brody, still taking this very seriously, is actually up in the shark tower checking over the water. Ellen, his wife, and Joseph, the douchebag, from the beginning of the movie, are giving tours of the beach area for some potential, like, condo buyers for the island. But, you know, sharks don't really do good for business and the island business, if you will. Even when a little girl from the tour says that it's like a shark tower, the mayor claims it's just an observation tower and they use it for weather measurements. While everyone is having a grand old summertime, Michael is painting at the beach and he sees some of the kids out sailing and that cousin chick, remember the one that I don't like, her name's Jackie, uh, she's out with the mayor's son now. So up in the tower, the chief sees a dark figure moving within the water and it's nearing swimmers along the beach. So he rings the bell and kind of goes crazy, runs down towards the water and basically opens fire on this beach and the water, which of course terrifies 
all of the beachgoers, they're screaming, they're crying, and unfortunately someone else yells out that it's just bluefish, meaning he just made a fool of himself trying to protect the people of the town, but they don't believe him, and now he's just made himself look nuts. This, of course, happens in front of so much of the town, guests, visitors, the mayor, the people during the tour, and no one wants to go back into the water after that. And, of course, douchebag Joseph pulls Ellen away from going to talk to him, and it's like, sir, if she wants to go talk to her husband, let her go talk to her damn husband, you asshat. And it's just unfortunate because as, as the viewer, you know that he's right, but from the town, they just think he is losing it and that he's just calling shark for everything. It's very unfortunate scene. And you have little Sean coming to help Brody pick up the bullet casings and it's just like, oh. Cutting to his office, I do like the little award, little Easter egg that you can see on his desk there if you catch it. It says Martin C. Brody, Amity Man of the Year, 1975, and it has a little shark mouth on the trophy. So, you know, sure. They liked him when he dealt with that shark, but now they just think he's a crazy man. The photographs have been developed from the diver's boat. I like this scene of developing some of the photos. It is done in the very classic way of developing them and not the digital sense. And the way that it's shot, it slowly reveals the images from the photograph, that being the shark's face, like the side of its mouth and its eye. Brody immediately takes them to over to the town council, basically, and they are already having a meeting about him, unfortunately. They look over the photos and see nothing but seaweed. Even though there is a freaking shark face in the diver's pictures, <laughs> but whatever. And once again, screw Joseph, again, and the mayor, and all of them. Too stupid to see what's in front of their face. And then you have a really good Chief Brody line. <laughs> That's a shark, and I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. I love that line. But it doesn't matter because the assholes fire him anyway cut over to the kids at, hanging out at a restaurant playing games and comes a freaking annoying line so the kids want to go out to the lighthouse tomorrow you know sail um but you know michael is meant to stay on land no sailing and jackie oh jackie she wants to go with him she wants to sail out to the lighthouse with him and of course she said do you always do what your parents tell you to sure I really don't like her. I'm sorry. She's just so annoying to me. I really don't like this character, so I'm just... I'm annoyed by her every time I watch this movie. So anyway, everyone plans to be at the dock at 8. Brody heads home, and a wonderful catch at his front door is like this lovely Easter egg that I saw um, years ago. It's one of the yellow barrels from the Orca. They basically like turned it into a planter, you know, one of the ones that they like swam home on, him and Hooper. So yeah. Brody has gotten fired and he's a little drunk. Hendrix is already over at his house to see him and like Brody gives him his sheriff's badge over to Hendrix and he tries to celebrate but Ellen and Hendrix are like not feeling it. And after Hendrix leaves he's even like I've never been fired before and you know it's like they're all dickheads anyway. I kind of have strong feelings for this town council. The next morning Michael tries to sneak out and his little brother Sean catches him, which results in a hilarious little bit where he's like, take me with you. And he's like, Michael. And he looks over to his parents' door and it's like, blackmailing your older brother. Why don't you? So in turn, Sean goes with him on what will be a very bad sailing trip. All the kids are prepping their boats. One of Michael's friends, Marge, 
one of my personal favorite ladies in this, offers to take Sean with her instead of on Michael's boat, which he's all for because he doesn't want his little brother tailing around. Jackie is going out with Michael, which pisses off Larry Jr., and Brooke actually heads over to Timmy's boat instead, you know, the guy that looks like Napoleon Dynamite, which is actually a super cute moment because he's so happy that Brooke will go out on his boat. It's very cute. What a happy day for the children of the teens about to become shark food. Now, I haven't gone sailing, but I don't want to be on one of the fabric ones, like the ones that tip, the ones that you kind of sit on fabric, like that just doesn't sound cool to me. I want to be in a wood boat that seems a little bit more secure. As the group is heading out, they pass a diving class that Andy is actually supposed to be a part of. Everyone is buddying up to go down for lobster. So then we focus in on this diving class. While underneath the water, the burnt shark face pops up out of nowhere and scares the shit out of the instructor. This is a great jump scare because it's like just suddenly there, the shark face. Now this wasn't even one of the trainees, but the teacher goes up too fast and gets the bends, which is really not good. Basically proving that he was scared shitless to go up that fast and not gradually like you're supposed to. Another great shot is the camera being mounted on the shark as it goes through the water. And then as it slowly pans up, you can see the sailboats off in the distance and the shark is heading towards the kid's direction. All of these sailboats way further out than the lighthouse, this fresh meat for Freddy Krueger the shark. So when the parents get up, you know, Rhody and Ellen, uh, they just simply assume that Sean is off playing. All the 70s. <laughs> Brody goes in to drive Ellen to work. And it's just a normal day for now. So Eddie and Tina went off in her boat by themselves because it's a constant sex show for these two. Sadly, things do not go as planned. The shark fin in the background and the shark actually hits Tina's boat and drags it away, knocking Eddie out of the boat and into the water. Now at first you're like, oh my god, oh shit, Tina, good luck, because she's still in the boat and it's being dragged away. But you quickly realize that the one in the water is the unlucky one. The fin comes up and Tina sees it even from her place in the boat. And she's like, swim, Eddie, swim fast, Eddie. And it's like, no, humans are not going to be out swimming a shark, especially when you're both going towards the boat in the middle. It's just like not gonna happen. In turn, the shark takes hold of Eddie and in kind of like a really brutal way, drags him across the water to the side of the boat where he breaks off a piece of the wood and pretty much gets eaten right in front of his girlfriend. And Tina's not doing well. I mean, better than Eddie, but she's in massive shock. Seeing her boyfriend eaten like that is not good for the mind. Still driving the police GMC, and uh, Brody sees an ambulance headed towards the dock for the divers and emergency, so, if he co so he of course follows them, even though it's not his job anymore. They go to the docks and they see the diving instructor with the blood coming from his mouth. He bit his airpiece. Something must have really scared him down there. He just panicked, one of the divers says. And this is, this is the teacher. That's what's so important is it's not even one of the trainees. One of the teachers did this incorrectly because he was so scared. That's when Hendricks mentions seeing the kids head out for sailing. When they hear the kids and Michael is when both of them run towards the police boat. Hendricks is so funny in these parts because he's like, look, chief, you aren't chief anymore. I can't let you take her out. Mrs. Brody, if he can't go, you can't go. Neither one of you can go. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's really funny, this poor guy. And he just decides to, of course, go with them. They can't fire us both. Someone's got to be in charge. <laughs> so their idea is to head towards the lighthouse where they think the kids are going. 
Brody goes ahead and calls Harbor Patrol for the helicopter to go out and potentially bring the kids in faster, thinking that the chopper might get there a little quicker. Uh, I've talked about this scene with my dad before. Some people question why the patrol would still listen to Brody if he had been fired and he wasn't chief anymore. But I mean, you know, it's literally the early next morning. Not everyone would maybe know that Brody was fired the night before. But too bad the kids head out and past the lighthouse away from where everyone suspects they are going. Meanwhile, the police boat comes up upon Tina's boat, and at first they think it's empty um, because she's kind of hidden herself in one of the compartments. She's still in massively in shock, but managed to scream out, shark. Some people make fun of her acting in these moments, but I mean, damn, the girl just like saw shark. She saw her boyfriend get eaten. I don't mind her acting in these moments. She really looks like she's in shock. Brody decides to take the police boat while he signals another boat in the distance to come and pick up Hendrix and Ellen and Tina and basically take them back to the island. He kind of like honks the horn at this nearby boat and you kind of just hope that this random boat you just honked at isn't filled with a bunch of serial killers. Brody asks for directions and Hendrix starts spouting off this fancy terminology and comes another favorite line of mine that I actually use in my day-to-day -day life. He's like, don't give me that shit point. Back to the kids, another reason I want a wood boat. <laughs> Doug's boat has started to deflate and he's trying to pump it back up like, oh, Hell no. I do not want my boat to deflate in the middle of the ocean. Give me one of those wood boats, please, and thank you. And while pumping it up, the damn thing blows. It kind of like pops. Not that it matters because fast and hard, the shark comes in behind him, knocks him into the water, Doug goes down. Luckily, he is able to swim to Michael's boat and Michael and Andy get him up into the boat very quickly. But this quickly turns into a clusterfuck. Everyone is freaking out. There is a shark there. As the shark knocks around Michael's boat and they try to level it out, Michael's head gets nailed on one of the pieces of metal above them while the boats flip over into the water. All the kids are freaking out and trying to steer away from each other. Both are going over. Marge's boat flips over and she jumps in after Sean. Some of the boats crash into each other and they just make this huge mess. People are people are falling, they're panicking. Everyone gets back on board. Some of the boats are upside down and smashed, but everyone is on board again, even if they are kind of sinking. Meanwhile, Michael is knocked out and waiting out in the water. His life jacket is like keeping him up. The only functioning boat starts to head for Michael, but so does the shark. Paul and Timmy are trying to lift Michael out of the water, but he's completely passed out, so he can't help them. And they're trying to lift him up into the boat. And this is another one of those anxious moments where the shark is coming, run alongside the boat, and just in time, they lift Michael's body up and his legs away from the shark mouth and into the safe wooden boat. With the only working boat, they decide to take Michael in since he's hurt and come back for help leaving all of the scared-ass kids to float on the crazy mess that is their little island of broken sailboats. They do end up tying everything together, which is smart, so that they can kind of stay in the same mess. Brody makes it to the lighthouse, but he doesn't see any of the kids because Michael suggested that they go further out than that. So he does call for air backup, but they haven't even taken off yet. Uh, the pilot says that he'll meet him over by Francis Scholl. Francis Scholl? Where the hell is Francis Scholl? It's just so funny to me that he, like, he's been chief <laughs> for a while, years, and he still doesn't know, like, areas around the island. It's just, like, it's safe to say Brody doesn't have much directional skills, but that's okay, neither do I. I also don't live on an island, though. The kids are still in the mess of floating boats. They plan to land on Cable Junction. And Sean actually wants to know what's after Cable Junction. And here we have Bob saying, the Atlantic. 
and then Ireland, hence his nickname, Ireland. Finally, the helicopter comes in and is going to basically tow them back to the mainland. The pilot, for some reason, has always looked like a leprechaun to me. Random. Anyway, sadly, the helicopter lands onto the water and attracts the shark. The shark knocks it upside down, and the blades hit the water and fling everywhere. So this does not help the situation at all. They don't even have sails now because the blades of the chopper took everything out. And of course, they're trying not to be pulled underneath, so they untie the ropes that had attached to the helicopter, and they just sit there in sorrow because that was their help that just got eaten by a shark. In some versions of this movie, there's actually a scene, like, underwater shot of the pilot inside the flipped helicopter, but it doesn't always show that scene. And the shark is back again to spin and mess with the wreck of ships that the kids are floating on. The movement makes more people fall into the water, including Bob and Sean. And heartbreakingly so, Marge goes in after Sean yet again. Bob gets lifted back into the boats, and Marge gets Sean back up onto her flipped boat, but unfortunately she doesn't have enough time and she can't make it back up, and so she gets eaten right in front of Sean. I hate this part. I think it's the saddest death because she goes in multiple times to save Sean, gets him up on the boat, and then she dies because of it. Meanwhile, Jackie is over there screaming bloody murder. I mean, I get it. This is a traumatic experience, but why are you screaming more than the little kid that just watched her get eaten? Like, why are you screaming more than the child? On land, Tina is being taken to the hospital, and Joseph is trying to talk to Ellen. You know, like, shut up, douchebag. Ellen's like, I don't give a damn what you think. All that I know is a boy is dead and my son and husband are still out there. Of course, not knowing that both of her kids are out there because Sean followed along his big brother. Understandably so, Sean is now the one that's in shock. Uh, his boat is drifting away from the others, and they're trying to get him to catch a rope so they can pull him closer and tie him in. These bits are actually some of my favorite parts for Andy's character. You know, he's Michael's best friend. He has to snap at Sean to get him to snap out of the shock. So he threatens to beat his ass, basically, you know, get him out of that shock mindset. And finally, Sean kind of wakes up after Andy yells at him, and he grabs the rope and ties it off, and so that they're able to pull him back to the group. And Andy, of course, gives him a big hug, and it's like, you know, this is best friend's little brother, you know? <laughs> he runs around with them all the time. Of course, he's gonna, you know, be worried about his safety. I love this part of Andy snapping Sean out of it. In this moment, Larry Jr. does fall in the water real quick, but they get him back on board. Like, I swear, <laughs> these kids are gonna be scarred for life. Cable Junction is up ahead, and Jackie's having a moment. Meanwhile, Lucy, which I don't think I've mentioned her before, she's another one of the kids, she's sitting on the edge of the boat, a little too close to the water for my comfort, but uh, she's praying for their safety, basically. Chief Brody comes up on Michael and the boat that was actually working. Michael is awake now, but then he gets the news that Sean is still out there. Like, you know, <laughs> no more brotherly bonding for you two. The three guys, uh, Michael, Paul, and Timmy, that are in the working sailboat, are told to get to the lighthouse and basically stay there while Chief Brody is going to go after Sean and the rest of the kids. Cable Junction is coming up, but they are worried that they're going to miss it. The wind is pushing them sideways instead of straight forward. So they do start to paddle, and it's like, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't do that. There's a shark. Like, don't do that. Because some of the boats are flipped over, they then hit some of the like upside down parts of the sails against the rocks and they end up getting 
stuck. And of course, Jackie has to have like a meltdown and like <laughs> Larry Jr. kind of goes off on her to shut up. But she is in shock. I get that. She's just very annoying to me. And then they hear the boat as Brody comes up on them. As I was watching this, I actually thought that I had found a blooper or something. I never noticed before, but Brody gave his jacket to Tina and he was just in a t-shirt for a long while. But when he comes up on the kids at Cable Junction, his jacket is back on and I had to rewatch it. While the jackets are the same color, one is clearly like a bomber jacket and the other is more military style. So maybe that there was just a spare jacket on the boat. I have no idea. I've never really noticed that before, but I had to rewatch it to make sure that it wasn't a blooper, but they are two different jackets. So they plan to tie the boats and like basically pull them over to the police boat, but the shark is back in action, making the chief drive right into the damn Cable Junction Island. Brody finds another rope and is basically going to tie it off to the dragging part of the police boat and have the kids pull the anchor over and then use the machine to pull them back towards the police boat is the general idea. However, it gets stuck on the bottom of the ocean because it is stuck on those power lines again underwater. Before they release that, the shark breaks up through the fabric of some of those material boats. See, why the fuck do you want material ones? Like, when the shark can break up through, like, no, don't, get a wood one. At least it's a little bit sturdier. People start to go flying in, people fall into the water, and you know, at this point, if you fall in the water and you're that close to Cable Junction, just swim for it. Like, the damn island is right there, just swim for it. Don't try to get back up on the boat, just swim. And pretty much everyone does fall in the boat, except for Jackie. She can't fall in, she's too busy screaming. And Sean, Sean doesn't fall in either. Lucy is swimming for the island and almost gets eaten, but the shark actually just skims her side of it, and her boyfriend is able to get over to her, and they both swim over and make it to Cable Junction, too. Meanwhile, Brody is inflating a raft, and the dragging system pulls up those power lines. At this point, the shark is circling Jackie and Sean and the broken boats, and the chief decides to climb out on the cable line with the raft below him. I think I'm convinced that in this moment, the shark is circling them because Jackie won't shut up. You know, the sound effects, the shark maybe could hear you screaming bloody murder. Like just, just shut up. Sure. Be terrified. I understand. Be terrified. But, oh my God, the screaming, like, oh, who told her to scream like that? So then the shark is heading straight for them again and ends up pushing the drifting boats further away. Of course, the child isn't on board with one of the good teenagers. No, he is stuck on board with Jackie and he, Sean almost falls over, but he manages to stay afloat. So at this time, the chief starts hitting the cables with the oar. Then the sound travels down to underneath and the shark can hear it. Remember when the experts talked about sonar and sounds for sharks? Here it goes. That makes the shark turn back towards him. At about water's level, Brody is holding the power cable and waiting for the shark. He continues to hit it again and is bringing the shark closer and closer. The kids are pretty much like yelling at him to get out of there, but he's trying to line it up just right and he pretty much has one go at this. The shark goes forward and goes and goes and bites. Bites right down on the power cable. Open wide, say ah. Brody falls back and into the raft, and the shark kind of starts smoking, electrocuting, and flaming. And dies. Question. Would everyone have been electrocuted because they're all wet and near the water as the cable went back into the water? Or do you think it, like, would have shut off or doesn't work that way? Any electricians out there? I don't know. We'll pretend it doesn't. And as we conclude, the chief paddles over to Sean and Jackie, where he gives her the second jacket. 
And Sean claims that Michael made him go out with him. <laughs> Little kids. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Yay. I hope all the kids got therapy. I really do like this sequel, probably because it has more to do with the kids and the teens, and I like the idea of it um, compared to the first one. Is it better than the first one? Probably not. Jaws is a classic, and it's very well done. But, you know, it's hard for sequels to beat the first movie. I personally really enjoy this sequel, and it's pretty close to the first one level-wise for me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Chit Chat with Cass. I will be continuing this Jaws series. We have two more movies, Jaws 3 and Jaws 4, that will be coming hopefully soon. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on Jaws 2. Do you like this film? What's your favorite scene? Do you like Jackie? Dear God. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for listening, lovelies, and I will see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.